You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. My co-host, Julie, had an amazing conversation with Dia Sims. Sims serves as the CEO of Lobo 1707 Tequila and Mezcal a new independent spirit brand that launched in November of 2020. Dia leads Lobo 1707, named after the Spanish word meaning wolves, and is dedicated to celebrating the strength of the pack. In May of 2021, Sims co-founded Pronghorn, a partnership with the world's leading spirits producer, Diageo. Pronghorn is a 10-year initiative to drive diversity, equity, and inclusion in the spirits industry. So grab yourself your favorite Lobo 1707 cocktail and enjoy this very special episode. Dia, thank you so much for joining us back on Served Up. I am so delighted to be here. Um, you can't keep me away. I'm not, I'm not even going to get off until we plan my next return. I'm going to be obnoxiously inviting myself. Oh, you can come on anytime. So fun fact is I was just looking because I definitely wanted to guide our listeners to the first time you were on was exactly today, June 7th, two years ago. That is so amazing. I swear everything is always very like cyclical and like to the day. So that's incredible. I know. I feel like it's like a really good luck. Child. It was like a good sign. So I was super excited when I noticed that. And 2021, I mean, that seems like forever ago, two years ago. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I mean, look, we're now officially in dog years with the amount of information and activity we're facing every day. Like um, it's a different, it's a very different world. It is. It's insane. And I'm not going to quote you exactly because it's been a while since I've re-listened to our episode. But I remember you, you know, obviously for our listeners that are listening now, Dia shares her entire life, where she grew up, how she got into this industry. And I remember we asked you towards the end, what's next? And you said, no more new projects. I'm probably going to be on a beach somewhere. And so we know that did not happen. <laughs> oh, it's, oh. it's going to happen. I got, I got some where I'm all in on Lobos. We just came out with the new limited time, uh, incredible liquid and beautiful bottle for an Añejo. Um, really thrilled about the work happening at Pronghorn. Um, yeah. I've invested in uh, over 16 Black-owned brands, an incredible spike uh, in employment for Black Americans year over year. So I'm, I'm all in, but I have- So my, you're, you're on the path. You know, maybe eight to 10 years till I get to it, the Maldives or even Virginia Beach, I'll take. But uh, <laughs> just a beach, I'm fine. <laughs> Well, um, so catch us up because those are some major developments since we last spoke. Um, 
you know, Lobos was just, you were building your team, your, you know, go to market approach, like everything was flowing. And, and now you've, you know, since then created the line extension. So we want to hear all about that. And we want to hear all about Pronghorn for our listeners that don't know, um, which is an incredible initiative that, you know, you spearheaded with, um, with your, with your co-founders and we want to know all about it. So, so tell us what's gone on in the last two years since we last spoke. No, it's, um, it's kind of nice because it feels like we're a little bit in a time machine because you're right, right? At that time, we had only been out for about two months nationally. Um, and within that that first 12 months, we tripled uh, our forecast. Um, the liquid has gotten incredible awards. At one point in six months, Lobos have received about 40 awards through the trademark from our Hoven to our Reposado to our Extra all uh, including our mezcal with Sherry Finish, uh, finished with the with in Sherry Cast, and we um, our reposado won at San Francisco. Not just double gold, but we actually officially won best in class oh. over hundreds of incredible. By the way, incredible brands that I admire, uh, which made it even that more special. I remember we got the call, and like you, you would have thought like we won the Oscars. We were like, oh, we we. <laughs> Um, and the whole team, our team, our investors, like LeBron was just so proud. We have said from the beginning um, on Lobo 1707 that, you know, we are, we're grateful for the backing of these incredible luminaries like LeBron James or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Lindsey Vaughn, but make no mistake, the liquid is our star. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the kind of thing where like, you think your baby is cute. But it's nice when you get independent confirmation of like, oh, no, they, they tested it blind. They did all the appropriate scientific methodology. And independently, we came out um, verified, right, as best in class. So we we firmly believe that the best way, the best exposure for the brand is trying it. You can try it better than I can tell you. Um, and I know the reason why I'm there and the reason why we have such an incredible team um, that chose to be a part of this tequila is is really just we're so proud of the product um and the story and the history behind it of our founder from the 1700s so it's uh it's incredible it's been a great journey yeah and with the rise of kind of celebrity backed celebrity owned spirits it's all great stuff and it and it, it definitely feeds into the hype but ultimately it is quality right it's it's what's in the bottle that's going to sustain and I just love seeing this this movement with tequila on really based on super high quality, additive free, all that good stuff. So, you know, to see that being awarded, you know, through a blind tasting like the San Francisco um, competition is congratulations. That's Thank fantastic. You. Thank you. Yeah, we, we feel like um, as a clean tequila we're kosher, no additives. Um, it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful offering in the middle of a agave revolution, right? So we're, I'm proud to see the growth of the category contributing to the growth of the industry. Um, and, you know, we're, we've, we're proud to be an incredible contender in that space. Yeah. And obviously the quality of the juice, the, the company in itself, but I think the way that you've really built the culture around you know, the pack and, and I I've been following it and everybody's following it all over social media. And it's really resonated, you know, with kind of the theme of, of the wolf pack. So tell us how that's kind of evolved. Yeah. So 
Lobos means wolves in Spanish. And the reason why that name was selected by our founder is his family coat of arms from the 1700s is two wolves. And you'll see that on every bottle um, to harken back to the legacy uh, of Lobos. Um, and, and kind of weirdly, <laughs> like to the point of the date, I feel like I've always had some wolf thing happening in my life, right? I remember when one of my dearest friend's mother gave all the girls, we were teenagers, she gave all of us the book, um, Women That Run With the Wolves. And it's a very, like, it's an intense book to read. It was like nothing I'd ever read before. And some of the themes really stuck with me. And then I went to work for the Department of Defense and I worked for the Navy. And a lot of the Marines had a, a, a saying, it's from Rudyard Kipling, that the strength of the uh, pack is the wolf and the strength of the wolf is the pack. Um, and I, it always also really stuck with me. And then fast forward years later, when I was building um, Sirach Baca, um, our team every day we would write uh, inspirational phrases, right? And most of it just, just happened to be, they just always happened to be the best. But a lot of my team were women. And, and one day they wrote in my office, um, they threw her to the wolves and she came back leading the pack. So the thing I'll never forget, like these are all different times in my life, but there was always something going back to it. So when I got the opportunity to learn about this brand, when it was just um, an idea, a name, a liquid, um, and an incredible family story, I was like, well, this is really a recurring theme. <laughs> and um, and I started to really research because I'm super, um, like I love learning, super geek. So I was like, I want to learn a lot about wolf. What does it mean to be a part of a wolf pack, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times socially, sometimes wolf packs have not gotten the best reputation. And mm-hmm. when I've gone to wolf sanctuaries, I've learn that sometimes coyote behavior actually has been attributed to wolves, but that's for another TED talk. But (laughs) but nonetheless, um, the short of it is we really built our company on what it means um, to be a part of a wolf pack. All of the integrity, simple things like there's an alpha female and an alpha male that often the strongest wolf takes up the rear to protect the pack, that if a wolf is sick, the wolf pack actually takes care of that wolf, which is quite different than many other warm-blooded animals, right? In terms of mm-hmm. um, actually stopping and nurturing and caring for. Yeah, you're usually vulnerable and you're, you're going to get killed. Yeah. And the target, right? They're very different. The intelligence, the strategy, um, the cunning, like they're just a very interesting and intriguing animal group that survived because of their commitment to the group. Um, mm-hmm. So their ability to be formidable opponents to animals 10, 11, 12 times, 15, 20 times their size is because they are so dedicated and strategic about the way they work in partnership. And we took that heartbeat in the way we built this brand. So look, we are we are backed by big names, but we're a small independent supplier, right? But we will have all of the intelligence, all of the care, the concern, the kindness, and consistency in the way a wolf pack moves. And when it was just the founder and I, we try to do it between the two of us and we're still small, but we're now about 50 people, and we are excited to keep that through line in the way you build a brand. Because today's consumer, uh, incredible product is, to me, the price of admission. But then on top of that, people care, as they should. Well, how do you run your business, right? Do you run your business level of integrity? And it's important to us um, that we do, that you can come by any day and see us, and we'd be proud to have anybody see the way we operate. That's great. I mean, and and the way that you've applied that to your internal team and and how you how you operate, it's like you've been able to kind of pull in a community of consumers and and people in the trade that 
feel like they're a part of that pack. And, and we know, right, it's it's all about community now. So it, you, you mentioned bringing people to the the Wolf Re, uh, Refuge Center or. Yes. Sanctuaries. Yes. The sanctuary. It's our refuge center. <laughs> yes, yes. The Wolf Sanctuary. So that I mean, what an incredible experience. It's it's um it's something I've never done in my life. And we've done, I mean, before, you know, Lobos and um, like we do them, we host them at this beautiful location, Wolf Sanctuary outside of Los Angeles sometimes. And, you know, I will tell you, right, a lot of L.A. citizens are a little bit jaded. They've, they've seen it all. Um, but when we bring different groups to the Wolf Sanctuary, it's such a like soul enriching experience to have a chance to see these animals, hear their story. Um, understand how they're now working together, understand their contributions. There's, um, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but there's an incredible, give it a Google, it's worth it. There's an incredible story from Yellowstone um, where at some point um, there was concern at Yellowstone Park, I think it was in the 70s. And they said, we're going to take, we think the wolves are causing challenges. We're going to remove all the wolves from Yellowstone Park. Mm. And then you saw how that negatively impacted in a, incredible way, right? Because wolves impacted ungulates like deer and elk who impacted the foliage and the green, which impacted the beavers, which impacted dams. So the absence of the wolves actually changed the water flow, the geological structure of the park, the name that overages, right? And um, that story always stuck with me. There's a saying that we say a lot is that one wolf pack can change the world, right? And that was like a beautiful case study of it. So um, they're they're interesting animals, and we do we do borrow a lot of that spirit in the way we you know we have community within our organization and with the industry at large. That's incredible, and and it's just so wonderful to see Lobos being a a role model, an exemplary to how spirit companies operate today, which brings us to another animal in your life. <laughs> so tell us about pronghorn. Um, we've, you know, crossed paths through multiple things with WSWA. So I'm very familiar. We've been able to get involved a, a bit with your internship program, but tell our listeners all about pronghorn. Yes. So I know we're like, this is which we're talking spirit. And all of a sudden it's Nat Geo. But uh, <laughs> hey, it's all relative, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, so uh, listen, we all we spoke in 2021, right? So last time in, in this in this forum. And um, you know, coming off of a period of time where the whole country is going through this reckoning, right? Of like, you know, what how can we just how do we celebrate who we are? How do we make the best of it? And um we, myself and two other co-founders, Dan Sanborn and Aaron Harris started getting calls from the spirits industry leadership saying like, you know what? We, we want to do better. We understand that diversity is in fact good for business. We understand that we have to do it on purpose. It's not going to happen accidentally, right? Um, what should we do? And I often say like, don't like, I'm, don't call me for a parade or a mural. Like if you want ask me, a, I'm going to try to find a long-term sticky solution that's actually going to work, right? I grew up in the like, if you can get a B, you can get an A. We're doing it. We're going to really do it. Um, so we did some work and did um, essentially some modeling, extensive modeling work because it was COVID. So it was a bit time, a little bit more time um, and said, OK, we want to essentially figure out the right template for how to diversify any industry. Right. Because this is a time where 
I, I was looking at the news and everyone was saying, we need to, we need to be more diverse. We need to fix justice, education. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, everybody's missing, right? That you actually have to fix the economic underpinning of things, right? You actually have to generate wealth so communities can be active participants in solving their own problems. Um, so we developed this initiative called Pronghorn. And it is starting with the spirits industry and starting with the Black American community. And it's being built open code so that we can apply it to other communities and in the future to other industries. I love, I really do. I am like obsessed. I love working in the spirits industry because when I went out first to the biggest, the top 13 suppliers together with Discus, everybody said, yes, sign us up for our pro rata amount of net gain hiring of Black Americans from the intern to the C-suite. Um, we're all in and we work together in collaboration to bolster the pipeline to get, get you to a net gain of 1,800 new Black Americans in the spirits industry at large over 10 years. We also said, look, there's a huge gap in Black-owned spirits. Um, sh- actually, a shockingly small gap. One fact that we found was until just recently in the past year, there had been never, never once uh, just a Black owner of a gin or whiskey or tequila that built it and sold it for any meaningful event or even had a meaningful level of investment. That doesn't even make sense. Right? <laughs> so we're like, okay, we have to change that. So we're going to invest in 57 Black-owned spirit, full, uh, like kind of foolproof spirits. And in the first 12 months, which just recently ended for Pronghorn, we now have already invested in 16 Black-owned. So if you wanted to, you could have a full bar with all Black-owned spirits, of which I will shout Lobo 1707. Uh, we are also over 50% uh, minority-owned. That's um, amazing. Which is great, yes. And then it's a hard industry. It's really tricky, mm-hmm. right? So in between that, we distilled, if you will, 11 supercharging areas so that entrepreneurs who go in the space and as employees can get the right training together with the with Discus who work with Cornell. And entrepreneurs who want to be in the space can understand um, the distributor, the, the, the opportunity and, and actually the uniqueness of our structure and how it's to their benefit, right? Working with amazing distributors. The Ability to source glass, right? To understand national accounts, to understand the difference between in-dial display spaces and say, right? So all of these different things that help to um, make you successful in the industry. And we work and assess exactly kind of what your need state is and provide the information as like an accelerator or an internal consultant um, would do. And the reason we call it pronghorn is the pronghorn is an animal, it looks kind of like an elk, is mostly found in Montana, or more famous for being associated with Montana. It's the second fastest land mammal in the world, and the fastest land mammal actually in America. Um, and our point really is that a pronghorn was racing against a cheetah in a sprint, a cheetah would win. Uh, but for the long haul, uh, a pronghorn will win every single time. And our objective is to go far but to go fast. We are impatient and we have a lot of things we need to catch up for, um, but we're not looking at doing things short-term or for the one day. We're looking to see what will it actually take, investment, resources, time. What is something that is commercially forward? Pronghorn is not a not-for-profit, right? We are about um, building successful, long-term, great businesses and contributing incredible humans and great brilliance to drive the business forward and kind of to wrap them together. Something we say at Lobos a lot, but it applies is, I mean, the challenge we've had is there's been a, a mistake that DEI is being viewed like a game of musical chairs. And we often say, no, no, it's about building a bigger table, right? The better, if you're really doing diversity, right, every study shows you, 
you're you're actually making just making more money. Right. So, right. so let's business actually, is good. Let's actually build great businesses. Um, and it's not at the expense of any population. It's meant to be completely additive for us as an industry. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you know, you're living proof of that and 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 through pronghorn and just all the work you do in general. And I think that there has been a little, a bit of a flood with DNI where people are, you know, everybody's just kind of like, oh, well, we do DNI and I support DNI, but they don't really know what it means, right? It's become like another topic or or a capability um, versus true impactful difference. And and you know, despite all those tough times back in you know COVID era and, and with the racial awakening and and all of that, it's there has been a lot of good that came out of it. And um, I love that Pronghorn is not only about kind of the opportunities for a career in the industry from intern to executive, but also kind of building up um, entrepreneurs as well. Um, So tell us a little bit more about kind of the um, the internship program, because we had our intern um, or our one of our recruiters, Chip, work with Tiffany. And I know that they um, they we did get an um, an offer accepted. And I believe they're just kicking off the program now. Yes, that's so wonderful. Well, thank you so much um, for the support. Um, It's been just wonderful and it means a great deal to the interns. Um, one of the biggest challenges is people don't know about our industry at all. Like, I mean, yeah. I went to college. It's like the best secret, country. best unknown secret. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't know. Right. So we just want more people to know how, what an incredible place it is to work. I mean, these are awesome jobs and also anything you do, you're going to be an accountant or a lawyer or a marketer anywhere else. Come bring your brilliance over, over here. Um, so yeah. So every summer, we bring on the interns. They typically will participate in some of the trade, like next week, next week, next week, uh, we bring the full group for training down to, into, not down to, depends on where you are, to um, Discus um, in Chicago for a week. And they get a fair amount of industry crash crash course, understanding about the three-tier system, et cetera. And then they're deployed to different companies throughout the industry. Um, so we're really excited about, about that. And then also we share, um, we will help, to advertise for no fee. If anybody has jobs openings, we will push it out to our audience. And we have relationships with organizations like um, National Black MBAs or National Association of Black Accountants, pre-existing associations that, again, just a lot of times really just don't get tapped. Um, So it's just a little bit of uh, matchmaking, to be honest. I'm saying like, here's some incredible talent. Here's an awesome industry. You should know each other. And we want to help to continue to foster those exchanges. Yeah, that is so great. And and I love seeing that. And I'm I'm starting to see it more and more. And I think that, you know, with the industry and and you mentioned earlier, liquor brands are being bought and sold all the time and people are making a lot of money. And the fact that none of them are like black owned, you know, it's definitely a roadblock. So, you know, I have my ideas of why that is, but what what can you in all your research, where where is that gap happening um, specifically in the spirits industry that when we look at it, right, we look at our consumer base and and even the front line from hospitality to our salespeople, it is very reflective of a very, you know, pop culture, diverse community. So where is that roadblock in, in your view? So I think there's a few things, um, you know, our 
our industry is the only one that has a constitutional amendment dedicated to it, right? There were there are some historical implications that restrain the industry to a very particular population. And kind of it is what it is. I don't I don't think there's anything you can do to look backwards. But I think one of the challenges that came up out of the industry and the protection of this industry is complicated and tricky, and we want to make sure we're doing the right thing for the American citizen. So the people who started in the industry 100 years ago, in some ways, may have just been like, we're going to protect the industry. So you know what? We're only going to hire people who've already been in the industry. Well, that's a big circle. Right? So, um, And that becomes a challenge. So the first very simple thing is, if all of your job descriptions require somebody to have had previous industry, you are restricting your pipeline and you're limiting your access to great talent. That's, that's the easiest, mm-hmm. simplest thing to change. Um, and the truth is, I, I mean, even the way I hire, I'm much more concerned about the way somebody thinks, the level of commitment, right? Um, the passion, the curiosity. We can teach the technical skill sets, right? If you have a curious thinker, um, again, to the benefit of our industry. So I think that's one of the other, one of the big things. The second big thing right now is, our country remains enormously socially segregated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I meet tons of people who have all, I think, the right intentions of like, well, I want to have more women executives or I would like to bring more, um, you know, racial minorities into the space. But the challenge is I, I don't know anybody. I can't find I don't know. Mm-hmm. And and the, and I'll be honest, on both sides, sometimes that comment is met with, like, a, a, like, oh, that's on you. And it becomes a contentious unnecessarily instead of saying, like, that's OK. I don't know what I mean. Like, let's figure out how to actually just solve the problem. And let's study this dispassionately like you would a, like a scientist or like a, like like an economist. We'll look at a case study. Here's where we stand today. These are some of the barriers. The fact that honestly, people just literally just don't even know each other. <laughs> and then how do you bring them together? So small things that we do, for example, are. We're doing like just not doesn't have to be an actual job opening, but pulling great black American executives from all different industries and introducing them to HR leads um, in the industry in a non-pressure time. You should just know you exist. And then you can start to have people in your mind the way any of us have a certain Rolodex of like, oh, wait, I need this role. I know these six people. Part of that, that I don't want to sound Pollyannish, but it is a legitimate issue and you hear it over and over and over and over again. Um, honestly, those two barriers alone will make a big difference. And then we are doing things a little more in the weeds where, for example, some of the historically black college and universities, when I looked at the undergraduate programs, right, we want to make sure they have the right undergraduate program so that when our industry starts speaking to them, typically not until they turn 21, it's not too late. How are we making sure they're studying brand psychologists or that their scientists are aware of the R&D opportunities earlier so that we're graduating um, students out of HBCUs, that'll be phenomenal things to the industry. At 21, sometimes it's too late. Um, so as long as obviously, you know, we're, we're all about responsible, but not more about the industry, not about the consumption side. Um, and it's just right-sizing. The consumption size uh, for the Black American population is typically pro rata, right? It's the population, 12 to 14%. But beyond that, the average Black American drinker punches above their weight from a trend standpoint, right? So when you study brand trends, they often come out of, you know, Black and brown neighborhoods. Um, So it's important that we invest that commensurately, again, just because it makes commercial sense. We've got to be able to reflect the population we serve. Diversity is only going in one direction in the world. That's up. 
We all want our revenues to follow. You have to make sure people that work at your companies actually understand the population. Yeah, absolutely. And it and it really starts with, you know, having that diverse community with, you know, who you work with and and who you socialize with, right? So that that bring that's that's such a great point. And so tell me a little bit more about how you select some of these black owned entrepreneurs with some of these brands. And, you know, if somebody wanted to get involved, you know, how can they do that? Oh, yes. So um, we've identified now about 270 black owned spirits companies, which, as we understand, is more than anybody else has found, but is still very small um, when you look at the universe, very small numbers. So The first thing is um, we remove some of the traditional restraints that a typical VC would have, because our view is no zip code has a lock on talent, but but many are very grossly under-resourced, right? So we're more looking for um, the spirit of the founder, right, and the commitment of the founder, and we can help with like, well, is this the right choice in today's market, right? Let's give you the right data. Oh, maybe we can help with making sure you have the right label for visibility and branding. Um, typically, the founder has what I mentioned 11 supercharging things earlier, right? So mm-hmm. founder may have an incredible liquid, phenomenal financial savoir faire, but the bottle's not that great, right? You know I mean, so we're, mm-hmm. we're here to say, oh, no, no, that's our purpose. We're here to be a partner with you, take all of your great genius, couple it with the information and resources you need to go from good to great, right? To go to exceptional. Um, and then help you on your on your journey forward. Anybody who's remotely interested, please, it's pronghorn.co.co. And we are open to, even if you just have an idea, um, because often some people have great ideas, but it costs significant money just to even get that idea in a great deck, right? Even to get the first step. Um, so it does not have to be a fully blown out product that is already selling thousands of cases. If you are at the concept stage, if you are at, I've got it, but I have it in a few neighborhood bars, I only sell 100 cases, please call us. Um, and if you have something incredible and you're off to the races, um, please call us. But uh, we especially want to make sure there is a robust pipeline. Um, so if you're day you know, three, um, put us on short dial because both sides of the funnel we talked about earlier, a lot of times outstanding entrepreneurs and employees go on to be incredible founders. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a founder tries a couple of three times and either they have success or they don't. And they could go and be the leader of a great brand or an incredible commercial lead at a distributor, right? Um, but those two sides, founders, right, and employees, we think feed each other. So we want to make sure we have a wide pipeline uh, of people who are coming into our industry. That's just so great, right? To have a resource like that and and somebody that perhaps already has a brand um, that needs to get to that next level or needs some coaching or, you know, some sharing the ideas, uh, the fact that you're, that you're open to that. And and even as somebody that wanted, would be interested in this industry, no matter where they're at in their career, that they can get on to pronghorn.co Yes. And um, and connect with this network. I, I tell people all the time now with so many of the different organizations, like what you're doing, what Woman of the Vine and Spirits is doing. And then even Southern, we launched our Incubator Academy, which is, you know, free courses on how to navigate through distribution, right? Once you have your product and you've done all of that and you're ready for distribution and it's free for 
minority and women owned. So I tell people all the time, like there is no better time to be in this industry than now. Um, I think it's always been a good time, but I feel like there's so many more resources and just intentional, very intentional on creating equity all around. Just the education. I mean, I've been on and off in the industry about 25 years. And, you know, again, I love the industry, but the little trial by fire back then, you just had to like know somebody or you had to know, be tenacious about asking a million questions. I had previously worked in the Department of Defense, and it's probably the only other industry that rivals the amount of acronyms. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's um, not surprising. Yeah, but um, besides defense, right, it's, you know, we're all talking in this language that we all understand, but when you come from the outside, it can be intimidating. And now the ability to go and tap into what Southern is offering, the great work that Deborah does with Women of Mind and Spirits. Um, the incredible offering that Discates have put together with the Cornell curriculum. It just, it didn't exist when I came into the industry. And I, I feel like the, the grandpa that was like, well, I had to walk, you know, a hundred miles of school. But it is, to your point, a beautiful time to invite talent into the industry with the, and honestly save some time for us, right? Because we were hook or cooking, figuring it out. They can, you can come in the first year and actually learn the right way, right? It's like learning golf the wrong way the first time. Now you can come and learn the right way. Yeah. <laughs> more beautiful future for the future. <laughs> right. And and you mentioned that earlier, right? We're we're like in dog years, you know, and, and time flies by. So you, you've got to like, you know, no time to waste. And I feel the same way, you know, started this industry and, and being that it is so specific with our three-tier system and, you know, each state having their own law and, 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 you know, liquor being controlled by each state. I mean, we are the only country in the world that has a three-tier system. It works for us. It's very successful. And, you know, um, I mean, people can argue either side to that, but it is what it is. And you, it's really complicated. And I felt like for the longest time kind of growing up in this industry and we all figuring it out, you know, no matter what role I had, there was never like an SOP standard operating process. <laughs> We're creating that now, right? It's like we have processes now. I used to think, you know, we were such a unique unicorn kind of industry and all also like we weren't quite sophisticated as like other CPG you know, marketing companies and brands and stuff. And and if you think of like the beverage industry, like Bev Alk was kind of like out here, but yet we're so, it's such a lucrative industry. And I feel like everybody's figuring it out now and seeing the different leadership that's coming from places like Pepsi Cola, Coca Cola into um, the spirits industry. I feel like we're fi- like we're growing up and we're becoming so much more sophisticated. But that scrappiness. It, it really creates something unique. And and I never knew like, oh, has been a distributor for over a decade? Like, are those transferable skills? And I'm like, these are such unique skills that, pe- you know, that yeah. most people wouldn't even have um, access to unless you've just kind of done it. You know, I always like it spirits to politics because it's a ground game, right? Like yeah. it's not, it is, a, it's person by person, right? It's account by account. It is, um, it's, you need to be a little bit gorilla. Right. We need to have both the strategic side of our fair, but then you got to get in that zip code. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not enough, at least at this point, there's not enough um, technology yet to usurp that. Right. Because you still have to have that human to human interaction. 
which I, I, I love. And I love the fact that um, the more we add, right, the level of data injection, the right systems in place um, to that scrappiness and that heartfelt human-to-human interaction, that gives us now an unfair advantage, right, to be even more incredible because what we have been doing as an industry is growing at an enviable rate year over year. Um, So the more we continue to inject, right, the right levels of of systems and technology, it's just a chance for us to supercharge um, the great work we're already doing. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you bring up a point, you know, as far as like, you got to get into the zip code and we've interviewed, you know, a couple celebrities and, you know, and we love talking, you know, the, the celebrity owned brands and, you know, the biggest thing we, we make a little joke and I don't, I don't know if I should say it, but I'm going to, but it's like, I don't think I've ever seen a celebrity have to work so hard you know, until they get into the liquor industry and they are working their butts off. Right. And, and it's no joke. I mean, it's, um, it's a lot of work. And I think, you know, they realize, and and the guests that we've interviewed, it's, you have to get in the market, you have to get in front of the people and all the technology and data and all this, it only helps us be better. But there is such this human component to it, even with our internal teams, it makes a world of difference when we go out there, we meet in person, and it's like anything can be solved for versus from a centralized place shooting off emails. So no, it's it's game changing. And what I love is, you know, to the larger point is just reinforces the beautiful commonalities between us too, right? Like I I say all the time, you know, humans share 99.5% of the same genome, right? And if aliens are looking at us, they're like, what are they fighting about? They're all the same. Exactly. The things that we're arguing about are are ludicrous. At the end of the day, everybody wants, you know, uh, something a job you can be proud of. Hopefully, at least one person you love and somebody loves you back, right? Like you want to be happy, you want to bring joy in your life. We all kind of want the same base things, um, and I, I think you just can't unlock that on email, and you can't unlock it in theory or professorial musings. You have to be, you know, person to person, room to room. And I also I think it, people's empathy rises um, when you have real in person communication, and it it sharply, precipitously declines. When you're having, when you're, you know, you're, what's the term, uh, you know, tech, tech, whatever, tiger text. <laughs> you're, you know, you're a fearsome soldier behind your keyboard, right? But it's, yep. it's, um, it's an important thing that it's, it's part of the reason why I love being in this industry because you have the opportunity. And in fact, the requirement, if you want to be successful, you got to be out in the world. I just, I, I just left the area I love um, in Maryland, DC for five days and just being out in the field and meeting people and saying thank you. I'll tell one quick story that from this I love when um, when I worked before on the Ciroc brand and we launched uh, Variant Peach, it was ridiculously, it blew out every norm and it was incredibly successful. And um, in the middle of like a thank you tour to accounts was at a, a liquor store in Georgia and just kind of, you know, going by saying thank you for the support. And the gentleman came and said, um, you don't. You guys don't realize Peach, my sales from Peach alone allow me to pay for my daughter's college this year. And he's like, it means so much. And I think, you know, we're in a, it can be like, oh, we're selling tequila. It's fun. But it's like, no, this is, we're fueling American economy. We're changing entrepreneurs' lives. And it was, it meant so much to crystallize in that moment. Like this work is not frivolous. Um, and you don't know that unless you're like in the store, you know what I mean? At, at the ground level. 
you're absolutely right. It impacts so many lives and um, so many people. One one brand, right? And I, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer, but even just what's happening with Bud Light. And I just, you know, read a recent article about how it's impacting all those salespeople that have relied on that consistent commission year over year over year. And it's just, you know, we think it's just some drink or or some brand, but it 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 really impacts so many lives. Yeah, it's much bigger than that. And just we should, you know, we're at a time now where the power is democratized, but um, we as individual citizens have to respect the the power we wield now, right? To to your point, to affect people's lives for good or bad. One tweet, one review, one comment uh, could reverberate to somebody's home, to their children, to a community, um, and starting to take. We're all new to that. Everybody now has this level of power that used to belong to a smaller group. The power of the global microphone, but mm-hmm. we need to commensurately embrace the weight and the impact that that has. Um, and you, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but be cautious about weaponizing it, right? And, and mm-hmm. what the long-term effects of that could be. Yeah, absolutely. So Dia, I know it's not going to be another two years till we get together again, but tell me, you know, what what is on, everything's great, Lobos, you're you're doing fantastic. It's It's really stepping up. And I know you're on your way to just becoming this global iconic brand. Pronghorn is going to impact so many people in so many different ways. You know, what What are a couple things that you're looking forward to to finish off 2023? Well, um, as I mentioned, we, you know, we just yesterday launched Lobo 1707, uh, limited time offering for on Yeho. I, I, I called our founder when I tasted the liquid you know, a few months ago and I was like, like, this is ridiculously good like it's all like it is so incredible so i'm so proud of uh of introducing that liquid um we are continuing to do the work at pronghorn Thank, thankful to the work that southern has done we have initially started off a lot with suppliers but we are now going into more conversations with the distributor tier and the retailer tier um so you, everybody will see me traveling around um sharing the gospel of Pronghorn <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as we as we roll that piece out. Um, and I think, look, I'm just, I, I'm not going anywhere. Like I, I I love this industry and anything I could do to be a part of helping it to grow is something that I'm committed to doing. Yeah. And, and it shows, Dia. I mean, every time we're in any kind of industry, you know, with WSWA or, or anything. And everybody's like, who, who should we call it? Dia, Dia, Dia. You know, I mean, your name's coming up and you're probably like, oh my God, I don't have, but you know, you're, you're so grateful, gracious with your time and you're always showing up and it's, you know, it's very noticeable. And, and also, you know, it's for people like me and everybody else, like having somebody like you, you know, who, who really represents a lot of us of how we've grown up, you know, and, and our cultures, um, to be leading the way. It's something that I don't think was ever imagined, even though you were out there doing it like behind the scenes and doing all that stuff. But, but seeing you come to light is just so inspiring. So thank you. Thank you. Um, so we are going to stay close in touch. I mean, I definitely, all of our listeners check out Lobo 1707. So this new Añejo, is that in limited markets, like yes, super limited, limited, 15 markets. Um, it's it already, we found out yesterday we sold through into Jersey in like one day. So it's moving very quickly. 
Um, but um, yes, so probably about 45 days, you think it'll be a market max. Oh my goodness. Well, if you can't get the limited edition, the entire line is absolutely delicious. And you can find that most places. And and pronghorn, I just again I can't reiterate enough. And and served up was really created for the hospitality industry. And it's really about opening those opportunities. So, you know, I think for for any black, you know, student, or if you're already in the industry and you're in different part of the industry and you want to learn more about the supplier side, I mean, get onto pronghorn.co and, and take advantage. I mean, this is wonderful stuff. No, thank you so much, Julie. If I can, I just want to just because, you know, we, we all found out today, but um, with the passing of Ivan from Diageo, I know this is, you know, specific, but um, he's such, he's so committed to, to diversity, everything we're talking about, um, you know, with Diageo came on as Pronghorn's anchor investor and having had the chance and the privilege to have known Ivan for many, many years, um, it's just such a blow to, to our community, but what an honor to have had his brilliance and his kindness and his integrity um, as a part of our industry, he truly served as a light, um, and has always been such a, just such a wonderful energy and spirit from the very beginning. And I, I remember the first time I met Ivan, I was, um, I was working as a chief of staff. And I think the one thing that's so beautiful with Ivan is, you know, every step of the way, I think I feel like he treated everybody the exact same with the same integrity, the same interest, the same kindness. Um, so he will be, he will be missed. I will be remiss as not to honor his legacy. Um, well, thank you for that. And I feel like Diageo has just been everywhere, like following me around, you know, but, but we did see the news today. It's so sad. And I've, I haven't had the, you know, the honor of, of being around him, but I, I talked to a couple of colleagues that just, you know, were in meetings with him a few months ago and it's so sad, you know, um, and he's really, Diageo's really paved the way. And I just love that they continue to do what they do for um, really diversifying, building equity in the industry. I think it really started with women. I remember they were the one of the first companies um, in my uh, working moms magazine where it would show the index of the top. And Diageo is always the only uh, Bev out company that would be on the chart. So this is something that they've been doing for a very long time and it, and it is really a sad day. So thank you for, for bringing that up and, and he'll be, he'll be missed. But I think, you know, the work continues on with you and, and all the, the colleagues, uh, that are at Diageo and work with Diageo. Yes. Well, thank you, Julie, so much as always, um, here, here to support any way I can and grateful to be on this incredible center podcast. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers.